Good morning. I've been clumsy today. I'm just warning you. <laughs> I don't know what that could mean for the sermon, but it could be fun. How's everybody doing? Good. So good to be with you. We are continuing our series on talking about fruitfulness, and we've been diving into chapter 13 in Matthew, and we're going to stay there today um, talking about the mustard seeds. And if there's a name for what these parables are, for what this discourse is that Jesus taught, I would say it would be the discourse of new beginnings. Jesus really turns his attention to the disciples, to instructing them and the people and the crowds listening on how to be the church. And the focus of this discourse is on the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. Those terms can be used interchangeably. And so today I thought it would be appropriate for us to talk about the kingdom of God because it's something that we talk about a lot, but I'm not sure that all of us fully understand what the kingdom of God is. It's something that could be really simple, but it's also something that we can kind of get our mind blown with. <laughs> and we're like, do we really know what that is? <laughs> so we're going to talk about it. And the way I'm coming at it is misunderstandings that we have about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And to sort of expand on what the kingdom of God is today. So the first one I want to talk about, the first misunderstanding, is that the kingdom of God is only heaven. And what I mean by that is, of course, the kingdom of God is heaven, but that's not the only part of what makes up the kingdom of God. So it's not just heaven, which is that place way out there that we'll see someday. It's so much more than that. You see, when Jesus came to earth, he brought with him the kingdom of God. He embodied it. And the way that God ruled the earth really changed with Jesus' resurrection. And when Jesus came, he didn't look like this mighty army that brought a strong hand to strike down all the people who were doing evil, who weren't living in God's will. He looked, as we know, totally opposite of that. Jesus embodied love and peace and forgiveness loving our enemies, taking care of the poor, taking care of the oppressed, Jesus really took the understanding of the kingdom of God and flipped it upside down. And sometimes we have a way of taking it and flipping it back. <laughs> but we remember that Jesus enthroned the kingdom of God when he died that sacrificial death on the cross. And so now we as disciples are called to share that good news. The good news that the kingdom of God has came through the person of Jesus Christ. And now the kingdom of God reigns. And we get to take part of that by embodying his reflection, his love through our words and our actions of what Jesus showed us how to live. Secondly, there's a misconception out there that the kingdom of God is only with God. And God is way up there in some galaxy far, far away, sitting on that throne, throwing down lightning bolts, giving us muddy puddles or those really hard rainy days to thwart us in the head whenever we're living wrong and punishing us. Well, you got to get on the right track, and here's how I'm going to get you there. I'm going to punish you to get you to do that. Let's put that one to bed. That's not what the kingdom of God is. That's not who God is at all. So when Jesus came and he lived here and he died on the cross and he was resurrected, he ascended back into heaven. And he told his disciples, I'm leaving you, but I'm sending someone to walk with you, to be with you, an advocate. Now, who is that advocate that is with us? 
the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I'm in teaching mode today, just letting you know. So I'm clumsy and I'm teaching, which means I'm going to expect some interaction. All right, so I'm going to ask you lots of questions coming up. Yes, so we have the Holy Spirit. So God is not far away from us. He's not on some throne up there just judging and punishing and throwing out all kinds of stuff. The Holy Spirit lives within us, which means a part of God's kingdom is with us, which means we are part of God's kingdom. When we accept this free, amazing gift of salvation through proclamation that Jesus Christ is our Savior and is the Messiah of the world, we then embody the kingdom of God ourselves. And the next, that God's kingdom is not something we can experience here on earth. It's something we've got to wait for. It's something we've got to wait until we die and we cross over into Beulah land and we experience that great glory. But let's revisit point number two. Who lives within us? The Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? God which means we have God's kingdom living within us. Now, Tom, last week, just talked about the fruit of the Spirit. So because we have the Holy Spirit living within us, we can experience all the goodness of God and the kingdom of God right now. Healing and peace and comfort are ours right now. We don't have to wait until we die. We don't have to wait until Jesus comes back. Those are things that God allows us to have access to right now through the Holy Spirit. If we believe this misconception, then we miss all the goodness that we can have and share with others right now. And then lastly, God's kingdom will reign and fix all this mess that we live in right now with Jesus' second coming. Now, this is a very dangerous half-truth. Yes, someday Jesus is going to return and bring the fullness of the kingdom of God. And what a glorious day that will be. But what this misconception does, what this half-truth does, is convinces us that we don't have anything to do in the meantime. We wait on our hands for Jesus to come back because there ain't nothing good going to happen and there ain't nothing going to change until that day comes. And we pray, come Lord Jesus, come. We come to church, we read the Bible every now and then, and we wait. But we're gonna learn today from the parable of the mustard seed that Jesus wants so much more than just that us waiting. Of course we wait in anticipation and excitement for Jesus to come back. Of course we pray, come Lord Jesus, come. Of course we have that goodness of that wait. But there's things that need to be done right now. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to visit Matthew, only two verses. So guess what that means? Y'all get to read it with me because it's short and sweet. So let's read Matthew 13, 31 and 32 together. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds... But when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. The word of the Lord. So I love that Jesus talks in parables. I know sometimes they can be uber complicated and it causes a lot of frustration. It's like, why couldn't he just say 
ABC123 and make it very simple. But Jesus talked in parables because he knew that the Pharisees wouldn't take time to learn what he was saying. He knew they wouldn't have the heart. He knew that their hearts were too hard to even hear the word. But the disciples, the crowds, would want to know. And so they would dig and they would, they would just want to yearn and understand it. That's what he wants from us. He wants us to dig into these things and figure out how they apply to our lives. And so in these parables, he used very common, simple elements. Elements that these folks who heard them in the crowds would understand. Fruit and harvest and wheat and mustard seeds because this was their livelihood. This was how they contributed to, through, to society was through growing these things and selling them. And so as I was thinking about this, I was like, you know, we probably don't have a lot of people out there that really plant mustard seeds anymore. Maybe a few of us do with our gardens, but not a lot. So what could we use to really apply kind of what Jesus is trying to talk about here? And don't you know that my husband came through for me this week and didn't even know that he was going to? So one day, I walk in, and he's like, hey, honey, I'm going to pose a question to you. It was something he saw on TikTok. Every now and then, you get something good out of TikTok, and this is one of them. So say you have $86,400 deposited into your bank account every single day. Every single day. But at the end of the day, that $86,400 is gone. What are you going to do? Well, you're going to do everything in your power to spend every single cent of that $86,400 because you know you're going to lose it if you don't. And you also know you're going to get another $86,400 deposited into your account the next day. So we're going to do everything we can to make that money matter in some way. Well, we may not have $86,400 deposited into our account every day, but we do have 86,400 seconds in a 24-hour period. Now, when you look at one second, there's not a lot you can do. It seems so small and insignificant. Now, I can do a lot in one second because I talk really fast. But that doesn't mean that you're going to pick up what I'm throwing down. But when you look at 86,400 seconds, you realize that those small one seconds make up a very important part of our lives. And you can make a big impact with all those seconds. You can either spend them wisely and make them count. And what happens at the end of the day if you don't? Either way, you're losing them, right? So you can make them matter or you can waste them. What Jesus is doing here with this parable is letting us know this profound truth that the gospel is small. I didn't write this. Jesus did. The gospel is small? Ashley, what in the world are you talking about? The gospel isn't small. It's changed my life. I have experienced God's goodness and love in it. But what Jesus is trying to tell us is, yes, the gospel is small, but his will, his spirit, his power makes it big. Because what happens to that mustard seed? It becomes the greatest of shrubs. It becomes a tree that provides a home and security and safety for the birds of the air. So in this parable, Jesus is the sower. Can you guess who's the mustard seed? Yeah, we are. 
We're the mustard seeds. Jesus has planted the mustard seeds in us, and now we know God's love. We've received that love, and now we can go out into the world and share that love with others so that God can do what God does and make that love grow. We make up the church, the church that goes out into the world and shares the kingdom of God with everyone we meet so that we reflect the kingdom of God and we reflect the one who embodied the kingdom of God, Jesus Christ. We aren't called to do that extravagantly. We aren't called to do that in really big, flashy ways. Otherwise, Jesus would have used a different element. The kingdom of God is like the most majestic, big mountain you could ever imagine. Instead, he uses a very small, simple element, such as the mustard seed. I think about ants, and I'm not a huge ant fan. They're more annoying than they are anything. But when you think about ants and the way they work, it really applies to what Jesus is talking about here. They have no commander. They have no leader. They have no hierarchy. But each ant in a colony has a job. And they each, though very small, do that job with huge results. They build massive ant hills. In Proverbs 6, it talks about how ants gather their food for the summer so that they can make it. They take care of their families. They take care. They battle their enemies. Together, though small, they make a huge impact. And that's exactly what Jesus wants us to know is that no ant stands out, but no ant is irreplaceable. Each one is needed. See, Jesus doesn't need us to be extravagant or large. He doesn't need us to aim for the stars or the sky or the highest mountain. Those beliefs are us taking the kingdom and flipping it upside down when Jesus has already done that in the most humble of ways. We don't need gold or marble or the riches of all the world to be able to share this small but powerful message that we have to share about the gospel. You see, the gospel, the good news, is in the small, simple stuff that God calls us to do. Just as those ants are called to action to live their lives, we are called to action to live out the gospel. So what does this small stuff look like? Well, I see this as two facets as I was reflecting on what these small acts look like. First is the facet inside the church walls. What does it look like when we do the small stuff inside the church walls? And what does it look like when we do the small stuff outside the church walls? So when we look at inside, I call this the easy stuff. Now, why is this the easy stuff? Because all you got to do is sign up, show up. We help you learn how to do it. And then God does the rest. And that's really nice. That's really simple. This stuff makes up our greeters, our ushers, our communion servers once a month. Serving on the tech team, which we just plugged. Well, I don't know anything about tech. Okay, so it's a twofer. Not only do you get to serve the kingdom of God, but you also get to learn a new skill. That's really cool stuff. It's also reading a devotional at our Upward program that's already written 
All you're doing is sharing an illustration with a bunch of really cute kids looking up at you, hanging on every single word you're saying. It's a really cool opportunity to be able to share in that discipleship-making opportunity. Or serving in one of our ministry teams or our programs or coming whenever we have our family fun events, when we have all of that good stuff in the summer around Easter and fall. Well, yeah, but I don't have any family. I, you know, it's just me. Oh, my gosh, but what an opportunity it is for you to build a relationship with someone who is coming to one of those events. You see, we can't build the kingdom unless we're building relationships with people. And that starts by simply showing up and allowing God to do the rest. And I, I think sometimes there can be a negative connotation when Tom or I get up here and ask you to do something or Stephen and Betsy because it's like, oh, man, what are they wanting us to do now? They're always asking for something up there. And I think sometimes we become like the peanuts teacher. Womp, 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 womp. But really, friends, that's not it. <laughs> we don't get a commission <laughs> off y'all showing up and doing, and doing stuff. <laughs> there ain't nothing in it for us <laughs> except for the opportunity to share with you an opportunity to serve God's kingdom in a new way, in a way that we probably look at it like there ain't nothing going to come out of that. But we never know. We never know what God's going to do. And as I was thinking about this, this 80-20 rule always comes to my mind. I heard it a long time ago about churches, and basically what this says is you've got 20% of the church doing 80% of the work. 20% of the church. And this is true not only for local churches like ours, but for the big C, the big church, for all churches. They're all experiencing this. This doesn't feel much like that ant analogy. When you got 20% of the church doing 80% of the work, that's not the small stuff. They're taking on a lot of big stuff. And so you got burnout, and you got people doing stuff for a really long time. And then last week as I was digging into this, I was like, you know, I'm just going to make sure that this is still on point. And unfortunately, now it's more like 10% of the church is doing 90% of the work. But I was just too depressed to put it up here. We're still going to go with the 80-20 rule because I'm going to challenge you. This is what I love doing. Let's shatter this. Let's, this isn't us. This isn't St. John. We all want people to feel loved and welcomed. We want people to experience God's kingdom. And Jesus is telling us it's through the small stuff how we make that happen. You never know what's going to happen when you open the door for somebody new coming into this place or somebody even not new, and saying, hey, I am so glad that you are here today. How are you doing? You know we got coffee over here for you. Go help yourself. Or better yet, you want me to make you some? Even if we went from 20 to 80 to 60 to 40, so 40% of the church doing 60% of the work, that could mean, for instance, we have greeters who are greeting one time a month. That could change it to two times or one time every two months, or one time every three months. That's making that smaller. That's exactly what Jesus wants from us. That's a big deal happening through a very small act. It's about the small stuff. And then when we look at outside the walls, well, this is still easy 
simple, small stuff. But it's a little bit harder because then we've got to stay open to where the Holy Spirit's leading us. What the Holy Spirit's prompting us to do. For instance, make a meal for that person in the neighborhood that you know just lost somebody. Or make a meal for that family who when they get out of their minivan and their kids are rolling out and their stuff falling out everywhere and the mom looks like she's about to pull her hair out because she probably is. Make them a meal. They would really appreciate that. Because they've got another day of NTI or another day of quarantine or another day of something that's unexpected and, well, they're just about to lose it. Text or call the families of the week, even if you don't know them. Let them know you're praying for them. We have an online directory here at St. John. I would love to show you how to use it if you don't know. It's really easy to do. Send somebody a card that God placed on your heart, even if you don't know why you're sending it. When God places people on our hearts, there's a reason for it. And we may have no idea. We may never know. But sending that card may make a huge impact on somebody's life. We don't know what God's going to do with that. Give a really big tip to your waiter, even though the service wasn't that great. I can tell you, I've, we've, we've been to some restaurants, and service just isn't what it used to be. But I think people are just exhausted and tired. We're all like ducks. You know, they got a lot of work going on underneath the water, and we're just floating to survive right now. Or give a tip to your barista at your coffee shop, even though sometimes the coffee is really good. And sometimes, eh, it's not so good. Give that tip. Start a conversation with somebody in the grocery line and be okay if they answer you with something other than, oh, I'm okay, I'm good, I'm fine, how are you? If they say, you know, I'm just really tired today, say, oh, man, what's going on? Be open to the conversation. Even though I get that most of the time we have places to be and things to do. Start a small group out of your home for a group of people that you know have gone through something that you have gone through, even if you have no idea how to do it, even if you have no idea the words to say, you have the space. God will do the rest. Make homeless care bags for those people that you see every day as you're driving to work. Have our caring cards team make scripture cards for you to put in those bags. I know Diana would love to have her team do that for you. Because then not only are you sharing something that they need through the bag of things that they, they have to have to live, but we're also sharing scripture and the gospel and love. It's the small stuff. The stuff that we don't think we have time for. The stuff that we don't think is going to matter, that God will use to matter. And N.T. Wright says it so well as to why we do these things. God intends to put the whole world right. So he puts us right in the present through the good news. So we can be part of his putting right project for the world. When you see that, you realize this is the good news. God's putting right project has begun, and we're not just the beneficiaries. We get to be a part of it. That's the reason we have the Holy Spirit. 
to enable us to be part of God's Putting Right project. We have the good news. We hold the gospel. We can share hope with the world of hopelessness. And it's not through the big things. Let's go ahead and take that pressure off of ourselves. Jesus never puts that on us. We do that ourselves. Do the small stuff. The small stuff that you don't think is going to make a difference. Because with a big God, that small stuff is exactly what's going to make a difference. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the honor that it is to be able to take part in your kingdom work that you're doing. We thank you for this space that we live in, this already, not yet. That through your son, you have come to this world and you have showed us how to live. You have showed us the goodness of God. And that now, while we anticipate the coming back of Jesus to make this world perfect, a new creation, a new heaven and a new earth, that we get to participate with you in building your kingdom and seeing your kingdom grow and experiencing your love in our lives. And God, once we receive that love, it overflows into our words and our actions. And God, we just pray. We pray that as we worship you, as we lift this song to you, that you will be with our hearts. You will help us discern, God, how you're leading us to serve you. Help us to have the courage to be obedient to your call, to take hold and to take serious this call we have of being disciples who make disciples, of honoring your love, of sharing your grace, of extending your mercy to the people we see, the people we meet. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we lift these things to you in Jesus' holy name. Amen.